good to see you. Uh, for those who have attended a number of times today, I apologise. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that everybody got to hear uh, the same stuff so that we, we just kind of get a, a direction of travel as a church family. So this is based on these five invitations. The invitation to follow, the invitation to grow, the invitation to worship, the invitation to give, and the invitation to go. And last week I covered the first two. If you missed it, catch up online. But essentially I said, it's all about following Jesus, get in a home group, because then you'll grow. So that was it, really. That's the short version. I wonder why it took me so long, but there you go. Um, So tonight we are thinking about worship and about giving. Lock the doors now, church wardens. It's going to be alright, okay? And if you're a guest, um, it's great to have you here. Go and apply this wherever home is, okay? Um, Let's talk about worship a little bit first of all, and then we'll dive into the giving stuff. You know, we've just changed our service pattern and one of the things that I, I want every single person who comes to whichever service to hear is that the service pattern that we have is not about one service being better than another or one service style being better than another. We are all following Jesus and choosing to worship him. You know, in the morning we start with lots of words and all the liturgy and the robes and, and this evening we end up like this and in the middle there's some kind of kids groups and uh, holy chaos. Okay? But you know, it's all the same thing. We are here to follow Jesus and to worship him, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So I hope in that we can honour one another and that we can celebrate that difference and embrace it. But it's not just about an hour on a Sunday. It's actually about the whole of our lives. This passage in Romans says that we're to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. To give the whole of ourselves to God. Not just in a church building when the band's playing or... Not on a Sunday morning when the, you know, when the liturgy's going, but actually when we wake up in the morning. When we wake up and we feel grumpy that we've got to go to work or whatever it might be that you wake up with on Monday morning. When you're having a good day to choose to worship, when you're having a bad day, when you're having a busy day, to keep on worshipping. You see, it's not just about our heads, it's about our hearts. Sometimes, sometimes people ask me, well, you know, Mark, honestly, the, the, the songs, they kind of go on and on a bit, don't they? They don't at the morning, at the nine o'clock one. We sing them once, mostly. <laughs> but you know, as we go through the day, we tend to sing them more and more repeatedly. Okay? And there's a reason. It's about different people having different ways that they worship. And some folks kind of worship, my dad's like this. He worships with his head, and that's Okay? He he sings it once, he means it, job done. He knows, Jesus knows, there's nothing more that needs to be said. Yeah, but for some of us, 
we kind of need to soak that in a little bit and we need to say it again and again and again. You know, I've never heard of a married couple who have complained about having too many dinners together. No, I did hear of one actually. The relationship was on the way out, but that was a whole other thing. So actually us spending that time in God's presence is a good thing. And it's good to worship together. Tonight, the main focus of what I'm going to talk on is, is the giving bit, because actually the worship bit is quite easy to explain, and we've kind of done that, and we're going to come back to that at the end. But the giving bit's a little bit more complicated, and I, and I want to try and take you on a journey. And the starting point is that we have received so much from our Heavenly Father. He's invited us into fullness of life with him and so whenever we give back we're simply giving back out of his wonderful generosity so you ready to talk about money yes Robert's ready three times in (laughs) some of you might be feeling a little bit of kind of money anxiety bit of guilt Uh, that handbag you're just moving it a little bit closer to you on the pew Wallet's kind of burning. Just check where it is. Make sure Mark's not stolen it during the talk. Just it's it's going to be all right, okay? My purpose is to help bring us into freedom and joy. And what I want to do is I want to make this a discipleship issue, so that we can do this together joyfully. There are two main reasons for me talking about giving right at the start of the year. The first is that it's often the last place that we surrender to God. Our money, the last thing that gets surrendered to him. But the second reason is there is actually a problem which I need to put in front of you as the church family. Well, not so much a problem, but an opportunity for us to solve together. But before we get to that, let me talk about giving just generally, because it's much bigger than money. You know, as followers of Jesus... Each of us is invited to live beyond ourselves. To love our neighbours, to look out for others, to give back, to sow into the people that we find around us. So giving might be that you spend a little bit of extra time listening to your colleague at work. It might be that you go round the golf course a bit slower so that you can have a bit more time with the person that you're talking to. It might be that your neighbour, you're just aware that they are on their own and you set yourself a little reminder just to go and knock on the door once a week and go, are you okay? And then you help with their shopping or whatever it might be. That might be where giving starts for you in the context of of where you're living and working or retired or whatever it might be. But it's also true in the local church as well here. You know, one of the things I love about the the way that we've set up the morning services is that if you do come to the morning services and you're not yet serving in one of the groups uh, that happen on a Sunday morning, um, one of the youth groups, now's a great opportunity for you to start because you can come to the nine o'clock Okay, get fed, hear that first preach and then you can go and serve in a group at 11 o'clock. Isn't that great? Yes, Mark. Joe, where are you? Just give us a wave. 
Uh, go and see Joe or any of the guys here tonight. Uh, go, yeah, go, uh, the, further back. Um, and uh, or any of the team, they'll be able to help set that up for you. Um, the Enriched team would love your help, the Sunday youth team, the midweek youth team, but also 3TL. You know, over the course of this year, 3TL is, it took me ages to work it out. It's not a helpful title when you're dyslexic. 3TL. What's that? Third Tuesday lunch. It's good. It does what it says on the tin, except when it happens on the second Tuesday. Does it ever happen on a second Tuesday? No. Fine. Easy. Uh, they have about 60 folks in for lunch in the church centre. It's brilliant. It's really, really good. Do you know they need more help? There's not an age restriction on helping. Okay? Either at the top end or at the bottom end. If they need some more help over this course this year and we need to help strengthen that team. Or it might be that giving for you is not about a financial start but is about offering some of the skills that you have uniquely either in the community or here in the life of the church. Okay, enough of the intro. Let me highlight the problem for you. Over the last few years at All Saints there has been a deficit in the budget. And so you've got to the end of the year, you know this more than I, because uh, most of you have been here, you've got to the end of the year, and then there's been an appeal, okay, for the shortfall. And it's like, folks, we need help, okay? Well, it's the beginning of 2018, okay, and, and graciously, generously, what you've done is you've, uh, you've prayed and you've given towards that so that each year the books have been balanced. That's a wonderful thing. Well, it's 2018, and the PCC have just agreed another deficit budget. Having trimmed all sorts of things and looked at ways that we can save things, they've looked at the expenses and gone, do you know what? I think the expenses are right, so we're going to have to trust God for the income. So I thought, rather than wait until December, let's flag it up now, in January, so that you have an opportunity to partner with us and join in to uh, sort this. Because it's an opportunity for us to join in together. The budget deficit for this year is projected to be about £30,000. It started at £31,000. Uh, James, with the help of uh, Chris... James, James, give us away. James is our new treasurer. Uh, and with the help of some others, with Chris, who was the outgoing treasurer, they found a little bit of money as well, so it's come down a little bit. But let's call it £30,000. Um, there's a £30,000 hole for this year. The great news is, is that all of the work at All Saints is entirely funded by God the Father. Isn't that great news? And the way that he's chosen to do that is by giving the money to you. That's great, isn't it? So all that's got to happen is it's just got to flow back in so they can fund the work that he wants to do. Isn't that genius of him? All funded by God via you and me. And when you give to this place, you give to some really ordinary, boring things. Like electricity and light bulbs. Which, given that it's winter... I'm sure right now you appreciate because if we switched all the lights off it would be that dark outside. Okay? There isn't a government funding pot from Theresa May's magic money tree 
Whether she managed to sort the DUP out with it or not, she doesn't appear to be sorting out the Church of England. Okay? So it doesn't come from her. It comes from God via you and me. But it also funds, when you give, the extraordinary things. The extraordinary things of us together being able to introduce people to Jesus. To run groups, to host meals, to have a centre where we welcome in hundreds of people each week. It's a fantastic thing. It's really, really good news. But you know what? I don't want to wait to the end of the year so that we plug a hole. I want this to be a discipleship issue from now. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that this is not the only time I'm going to ask you about money. Alright? Because we've got the Rock Project coming up as well. On the 25th of February, we're going to present what we, what we think are the best plans that we've come up with. Okay, 25th of Feb, we're going to present those plans for, for us to prayerfully consider. And after that, at some point, we will then come and say, folks, it's time to, you know, dig out that checkbook or standing order, whatever it might be, because we want to do this together. So I will come and ask again, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed because it's a discipleship issue. It's not a problem to solve, it's an opportunity for us together. So... If I'm going to ask you to give, what's the Bible foundation for it? Well, you know, there's this great uh, verse which I have preached on, um, and you might want to find it um, uh, in Malachi. It's on page 908. Malachi chapter 3. This is fantastic material for any preacher. It's really great. And uh, let me read it to you. Malachi chapter 3. And uh, starting at verse 8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. How many of you have heard that verse preached on before? Stick a hand in the air. Okay, I need to confess to you, I have preached on this verse a number of years ago and I did the full-on Christian preacher half-Nelson job of come on, give us your money. Okay? Because you're very bad and you're robbing God. Okay? And I, I did that whole... I did it quite well, actually. It was all right. And, and, and the great thing about this as a preaching verse is it comes with this, you know, actually if you start giving and start giving tonight, then what will happen is that God will bless you because there's a promise attack and it's going to be amazing. The only problem is, it's not true. Let me try and explain why. How many of you um, are familiar with this uh, Bible idea of tithing? Just kind of give us a little nod of the head or a... Yeah, great, okay. So, um, the thing is with this, and if, you, you know, if you're kind of worried already, let me take you on a journey, alright? Um, the thing is, is this, is that tithing, as interpreted by contemporary evangelical Christians, is not biblical. 
Some of you are wincing. Some of you are like, really? (laughs) Where's he going? It's going to be all right. Tithing, giving a tenth of your finances to the local church as a principle is not in the Bible. Now, some of you are going to argue with me on this. That's absolutely okay. If you want to remain under law and burdened by this, that is okay. But I want to give you something better, which actually might result in you giving more. But, you know, we'll see. Um, But it will certainly result in more freedom. Let me try and explain. And I really do. I invite you to go and do a word study on this in the Old Testament. Okay? Go and look at every verse on tithing in the Old Testament and see what it says. What you'll find, what I hope you'll find, what I've found, is that tithing is always about food. It's always about food. Let me read you the verse from Malachi again. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Did you know that Old Testament tithing is always about food. It's it's centred around these festivals. Festivals for the poor, festivals for the widows. And what you do is you bring a tenth of your produce in before the Lord. Sometimes you share it, sometimes it's just for you, but you bring it before the Lord and then you eat it. And you have a party. It's great news. This is the most amazing Christian bring and share lunch that there has ever been. Now, if you go back and look through all those verses, you'll see that they're always about food. And what you have to do with the food is eat the food before the Lord, except when you need to give a little bit of the food to the priest so that they also can eat. Okay? There's one exception. And the exception is Deuteronomy chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14 goes like this. Let me read it to you. Verse 22. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all of the all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe. Do you hear that? Eat the tithe of your corn, your new wine, your olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and your flocks in the presence of the Lord at the place that he will choose. This is tithing. Okay? 10% You bring it before the Lord, and then you consume the lot. Great news if you've got a vineyard. It's amazing. You know, they just have to make make the feast last a couple of weeks. But, if the place is too distant, and you've been blessed by the Lord, and cannot carry your tithe, because that the place that the Lord, where, where the Lord chose to put his name is too far away, then exchange the tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place where the Lord will choose. And get this. Use the silver to buy whatever you like. That's great. It's got to be cattle, sheep, wine or other fermented drink or anything else you wish, and then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord and rejoice. Folks, this is is the Old Testament principle of tithing. So if you're going to tithe, 
And you might want to say, Mark, no, I'm going to stick with tithing. This is, this is what John Stott taught me or whoever. I'm going to stick with it. I'm solid evangelical. I believe in the Bible. I'm going to stick with tithing. Well, if you want to be a true, proper, Old Testament, biblical tither, what you need to do is this. Get an allotment, start a bring and share lunch, and buy the church a fridge to put all your produce in. I'm not joking. Then you would be obeying what the scripture told you to do. But otherwise, there's not an option for transferring it into 10% of your income. Because that's not tithing. That's something else. That's called giving. So, what does the New Testament teach about Bible principles for giving? Well, interestingly, Jesus does make one reference to tithing. He makes it about the Pharisees and they're being really picky. They're being so picky about their tithing that they're even tithing 10% of the herbs that they produced. Their mint and their cumin. And they're even tithing. And, and Jesus says to them, well, you should have kept on doing that, but actually you shouldn't have neglected justice and mercy and the poor. You know... I think if Jesus had wanted to make a translation from an Old Testament model of tithing to give to this great new organisation that I'm just about to start called The Church and make it financial rather than food, that would have been a great moment to have said it. The problem is he didn't. So what do we have? What we have is Paul not talking about tithing but about giving. And he says a couple of things. Let me give you a foundation. It's the kind of the place where we started. That anything that we give is in response to the grace of God. Anything that we choose to give is in response to his amazing grace. He moves and we respond. He invites us to sow generously. But the second principle is this. We find it at the beginning of Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There's this wonderful story told by uh, a guy called John Ortberg of uh, a child who's playing Monopoly with his granny. And every time they play, I, you know, I imagine it's whenever they go and visit at Christmas or over the summer or something, every time they play, the granny absolutely sorts him out, sends this little lad completely bankrupt and trashes him. You know, it's Mayfair and Park Lane with hotels, job done. (laughs) Some of you, who said that? (laughs) Eventually, after many games, the boy figures out how to play. And he beats his granny. Sends her utterly bankrupt. Three hotels stacked up on Mayfair or whatever it might be. And he beats his grandma. And his grandma says to him, Well done. You've learned how to play the game. Now learn the most important lesson of all. It all goes back in the box. It all goes back in the box. Doesn't matter how much you make doesn't matter how many houses you have. It doesn't matter whether you are incredibly rich or you're barely scraping by. You can't take any of it with you. 
we'll all end up in a box in the ground kind of storage unit before eternity however long is I don't know how that works whether it's instant or you know we'll leave that for another day and we'll go back in the box you know the earth is the Lord's and everything in it anything that you or I have we are being given to hold on trust on his behalf to use wisely as we travel this earth to be a blessing to other people. So what does Paul say? Well, Paul highlights uh, a couple of things. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, Verse 1 says this, Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Verse 2. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income saving it up so that when I come no collections will have to be made so Paul's first principle is make a plan you know if you're going to give something don't wait until the end of the week or the end of the month decide what you're going to give at the beginning of the month or the beginning of the year make a decision you make the decision make a plan The great thing about standing orders is you can set them up and they keep on rolling on. What I'd encourage you to do, if you're giving by standing order, okay, get your... We can't really do this anymore, do we? Because we don't get get paper bank statements. But stand, stand in the middle of your hallway on the first of the month, okay, and give thanks to God for all that he has given you. And say, Lord, I'm choosing to give some money back to you. Here's my plan. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. The second thing from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, is that you are to decide. Verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. It's not my decision. It's not about 10%. It's about you having a conversation with God the Father and going, okay, you've given me all this stuff, how much would you like me to give back? Because it's all yours anyway. You have the conversation. And it might be that he says, give five pounds a month. It might be that he says, you know what, you've got yourself into a lot of debt, don't give anything, but get that debt paid back. It might be that he says, you know, you've done so well, give 50% of your income and sell your holiday home. I don't know what he's going to say to you, but you have the conversation with him. You talk to him, and together you decide. Okay, not 10%, but a decision with you and God. And the last one is this. This is, this is my favourite. End of verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In, in my last church, the giving box, uh, which was kind of on the way in, was called the Joy Box. It's a great name. I think I nicked it from some church in the States. I heard a talk. And, but you know what was fun about it is our treasurer was called Joy. This is great. So maybe we should call, when we, when we reintroduce one here, maybe we should call that box the James Box. It doesn't quite have the same ring, does it? Uh, 
the joy box or something. You know, I'd love, I'd love to get rid of collections here. We'll have the conversation with the PCC at some point. I'd love to get rid of collections. I know one thing for certain that will happen is that giving will go down. I know that because I've seen it happen in other churches. But you know what? Discipleship will go up. Okay? Because whatever you give, I want you to give joyfully. Do it in a planned way. You decide. And you know what? If you can't give joyfully, whether it's to here or cancer research or whatever else you support, then stop doing it. I'm not, I'm not joking. I, James, are we right? We're okay. If you can't do it joyfully, then you need to stop. And maybe it's for a season. Maybe it's for six months. I don't know. But God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're going to give, give generously and abundantly, but do it joyfully. Okay? Do it from a place of overflow because of God's great goodness. So, how, how are we going to tackle this opportunity together? This 30,000 over this next year? Well, you know, the PCC, before I've got here, have been really, really diligent. You need to know that. They've looked at stuff and they've, they've cut stuff out of the budget and they've, they've looked to save as many costs as they can and we're continuing to do that. And, and you know, it might be that we make a bit of an ask from the diocese and we say, we, we think you're asking too much from us, so um, can we give you less? That conversation's already started. There's all sorts of things going on. But as it is right now, we have, we have this £30,000. What might we do with it? Well, it might be that someone at All Saints goes home tonight and prays and says, my bank balance? Lord, is that what you want me to do? And a cheque arrives for £30,000. You know, that would be wonderful. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But you know, if that happens, I'm still going to tell you and keep on asking about the thing that I've got in my heart next because I want this to be a discipleship issue. It's not really about the deficit on the budget. This is about you and your worship. This is about you and your walk with God. So, the thought that I had was this. How can we make it a discipleship issue? Well, I'll put some numbers around the place. Okay? There's the 10%. That's the, that's the law in the Old Testament. But it needs to be food. Okay? Off your allotment. Um, so, we, we're leaving that one. Um, if there were a uh, hundred of you who gave... £25 a month over the course of the year that would be £30,000 isn't that amazing and with you know with the Chancellor adding a little bit of extra gift aid that would actually be if you were all taxpayers would be £37,500 that's phenomenal that's more than we need so what I'm looking for is 100 people who could give an extra £25 a month or, if you can't do that, maybe you go home and you pray tonight and say, oh, no, £25 is far too much. Lord, what? Maybe you go home and go, okay, £12.50 a month, Lord. Great, we need 200 of you. That's okay. But 100 would do it. Or 50 people giving £50 a month. I don't know, you know, what I want you to do is, is not worry about the numbers. I, I want you to take this away and pray each one of you to do it 
and to go and ask the Lord. And if, as a result of what you've heard today, you make a decision to change your giving, could you let James know? That would be really helpful. Rather than just wait till you know, the February standing order or whatever it might be. Let James know. Because, you know, if we can gather a hundred folks that are just saying, do you know what? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to do this. I'd like to stand with other folks and do this. Then £30,000 would come in over the course of the year. That would be amazing. As you pray, some of you might choose to stop giving. For whatever reason. Either because you're well grumpy about it. Okay? In which case, that's all right. Go and stop giving until you cannot be grumpy about it. And if you're cross with someone, get on and forgive them. It'll be, make life go a lot, a lot smoother. It's going to be easier for you that way. Some of you might come back and you might get, you know, £10 a month or £12.50 a month. That'd be great. Some of you might be able to give 50 or £100 a month. Whatever you do, you decide, make a plan, do it joyfully. Because you know what? It's all God's anyway. And what we do is we give in response to the wonder of who he, asked, who he is. So let's, let's go back right to where we started. We're going to get a band up again. I think we're just going to worship, I think. Folks, to be a, to be a living sacrifice... On the Ark of the Covenant, there's like these two, I can't remember what they're called. What are they called either side of the Ark of the Covenant? Cherubims. Cher- yeah. And in between them, it's called the Mercy Seat. To be a living sacrifice is to go and sit in that place. To be alive but being consumed giving the whole of yourselves in response to the fact that he's given the whole of himself. So folks, I'd love us just as we kind of begin to draw to a close, simply to spend a bit more time in worship together. And I encourage you to take this away this week. To spend a bit of time with the Lord, praying, worshipping, and simply asking him what he wants you to do. Should we stand together? Holy Spirit, as we, as we worship now, come and rest upon us. Come and pour yourself out upon us. Come and drench us. And Lord, help us to live in freedom. Not under the law, not under guilt, but in the freedom of all that you've won for us. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen.